don't put all of these timeline pressures on yourself. Be realistic in setting your timelines and your goals because it, it definitely takes time because you want to do it right. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today we have an amazing guest and interview and I know you are going to want to take a ton of notes. So try to grab a piece of paper or at least bookmark this to re-listen to when you're in a place where you can actually jot down some notes because you are going to want to. Today we are talking to Lisa Prater. Lisa is an innovative leader with a proven track record really to help assess, plan, and execute on all things diversity and inclusion, human resources, and people and culture. Her passion for people is definitely infectious. You're going to hear it on the podcast and the interview. She's worked in a variety of industries from entertainment to academia to retail to startups. She's currently a consultant, an independent consultant that you can hire to come in and really help help with the conversation around diversity and inclusion, providing trainings and creating really amazing programs. She has extensive experience in this and strategy development and really just is such an amazing trainer. I think you're going to find that as you listen into our, to our episode together. She's built um, diversity and inclusion programs from the ground up for 10,000 person employees, as well as small startups. And she really has a unique approach to building an environment where all employees feel included and valued for who they are. And on this episode, we talk all about tips and strategies for really creating a diverse and inclusive work environment. She gives you tons of tactical advice and breaks it down in really easy to implement things. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Lisa Prater. Well, Lisa, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now, and I'm so excited for you to share so much of your knowledge and expertise with our listeners. Um, So thank you so much, and we're finally doing it. We finally made it happen, so welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so would love to start out by giving listeners just a quick overview. Like, can you share cliff notes, like who you are, your experience and what you do now, um, for businesses? Okay. I am a people, HR, people operations, diversity, inclusion, all things, internal culture person. I have spent the last 18 years of my life um, focused on people operations. So from recruitment to HR generalist space, to program management, career advising, and spent probably close to the last 12 to 14 years really dedicated to the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. So I am just an all-in subject matter expert. That's all things people, all things culture, all things employee experience. Amazing. Well, um, I love that. And I feel like sometimes people don't know listener. Well, one, I feel like a lot of times our listeners don't know what HR means. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we try to rebrand ourselves to people operations and they're like, what does that mean? So can you share with listeners, like, how would you describe what HR is as Mm -hmm. a profession Mm -hmm. and 
if there's a difference between HR and people operations, I feel like that could be a really cool distinction to make for our listeners. That is a great question. To me, HR is the heart of any organization. And so the the heart, the center, just 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 everything for an organization. HR is the function um, of an organization that is responsible for bringing in talent. Like, well, there we go. I'm moving into this rebranding, <laughs> right? Talent, people, operations. I know. Um, so let me. I better. I better watch well out with deserved. all my HR jargon. <laughs> I do yeah, feel I like it's well-deserved. Yeah. Let me watch out with all my HR jargon, right? Let's just say any business, any size, large or small, you need people operate, right? Unless it's some sort of like robotic manufacturing. But even in the manufacturing space, you need people for to operate those manufacturing equipment. So HR, human resources, is the function, the department, the group that owns bringing in people to help run the business. And so that's one piece of it, right? It's bringing in the people, bringing in the talent, recruiting. But then there's also, once the people are here, how do you ensure that they know how to do their job? How are we training them? How are we growing them to reach their career goals or aspirations? How are we recognizing them for the great work that they're doing, right? So that's Mm -hmm. employee development, performance management, recognition, um, you know, all of these things. And, um, And annual reviews as well too, right? So as well as sometimes you do have to discipline people. Um, which can fall under that employee relations performance management yeah. piece. So HR is the function, the group, the space that brings in people to help run the business and helps those people with the daily work that they do um, and then helps them grow and, and move into the right roles or just help them figure out how to be their best selves um, within an organization. So yeah. awesome. hopefully that's a little bit more of a simple or clear explanation of it, but I always feel like it's a heart of an organization. Like an HR knows everything that's going on, right? HR knows the good, the bad, the ugly, and what's coming mm-hmm. down the pipe. Mm-hmm. For sure. Usually they should. Um, and I do feel like if you've been in you know, the workforce for a while, HR sometimes gets a bad rap as like yes. the police yes. at the company or yes. the no fun people. And I hate that because yes. I feel like I'm really fun. Me and too. Um, yeah, you sound like it. Um, <laughs> so I hate that it gets that bad rap. And I don't think it has to be. And I love the way you just described it because I do think if you have a great organization, what you just described as an HR team is what they should be. Mm-hmm. If you're at a company and they are the police, the no fun people, then it's probably time for an upgrade. Um, exactly. Some yeah. HR people focus more on mitigating risks. Like, like we're responsible for liability. We can't let anything go bad. That's a little bit of the legal team, right? Or who, mm-hmm. if, you, if you do have a, a lawyer on staff, like for your small business or someone that you're contracting or retaining, HR should just be, like I said, all about the people. How can we make right. this a great place for everyone? Right. Right. Awesome. So you've spent the, 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 a big part of your, the last part of your career or, and current part building out diversity and inclusion programs within organizations. And you and I had an amazing meet and greet, I don't know, maybe two months ago now. And I love to how you described what you do. And I feel like you taught me so much. Um, and so I would love to dig into that a little bit and really focus our conversation on what, things people and business owners can do to ensure they're attracting diversity to their organization, creating a culture of diversity and inclusion. Um, And so I would love to start out. Can you give an explanation? Wow, that was a hard word of what does diversity and inclusion actually mean within an organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great, great place to start, right? Defining things. So I define diversity 
in a couple ways. The kind of uh, standard definition, I guess, of diversity is any collective mixture characterized by differences and similarities. When you think diversity, it's really kind of demographics. It's numbers, right? Who's in the majority group? Who's in the minority? Who's represented? Who's underrepresented? It's really just that mix of your organization. And so that's why I say collective mixture of differences and similarities. Too often when we hear the diversity conversation, people are focused on differences not similarities, right? Mm. When there are going to be differences among us, like you and I are both identify as women, we have differences, but we also have a lot of similarities, right? Mm -hmm. Beyond race, Mm -hmm. beyond gender, beyond all of these things. And so diversity is layers, right? There are, there are so many layers and race, gender, um, you know, gender identity, sexual orientation, ability, military status. Those are just one layer that we really tend to focus a lot on, but there's so much more, right? There's diversity amongst amongst in an organization, what role you have, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. you're hourly versus salary, are you union or non-union? Are you a leader? Are you an individual contributor? Like diversity is so much. It, it's just a collective mixture. Um, and I think it's most important. It's very important for people to realize that there's diversity amongst everyone. Like even, right, a group of white men, there is diversity amongst a group of white men. Being white and being male is only one piece of it. You all have so many unique, different layers and things that make up who you are. Um, Inclusion is really the culture, the workplace. So do you feel welcome, respected, supported, and valued to be your full self? Right? So diversity is the mix. Inclusion is how that mix works together. Um, Whether they're working together to fulfill your organization's mission, your vision, your purpose, whatever that is. But that's really what it is. Diversity is the demographics, the mix. Inclusion is how that mix works together successfully. And like I say, I always like to put it under welcome, respected, supported, and valued. Do you feel you can be your full self, right? Wherever you show up. If you do, then it's an inclusive, it's an inclusive environment. Yeah. So... When you're working with organizations, because that's what you do, is you mm-hmm. ha- you're you're a consultant that goes in and helps businesses create some of these programs and strategies. Are there different pillars of a business that you look at, or how do you break it down? Because it it, it can be a little overwhelming yes. if somebody's like, "Hey, I want to really, I want to make sure my business is a business where that is, you know, that we care about these things. Mm-hmm. We care about diversity and inclusion." I don't even know where to start. Like where does somebody start and are there Mm -hmm. different pillars that they should think about? And are there some that you should start on first? Yes. Well, I always say start on building the foundation. And I think a great foundation is education. So I always think it's good to start with training. It doesn't have to be like a racial or unconscious bias focused training, but just kind of a broad general, like this is how we view D&I. This is what it means to us as an organization. And this is kind of what you can expect from us going forward. And within this training, let's also take a moment to reflect, turn the mirror on ourselves and think about how our attitudes and behaviors impact people in the workplace. Like how are we showing up at work? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think starting with training is always great. Um, and but when you do start with training, you might really ignite some passion, which is great. So you've got to make sure you've got something for people to engage in or a way for them to continue to grow in their diversity inclusion journey or their diversity inclusion space if that's what they want to do. So after starting with training or kind of concurrent, I guess I should say, I think it's really important to think about there are three pillars that people kind of tend to uh, put DEI under. And that's usually like workforce, workplace and marketplace or community. 
right? So work, mm. workforce goes to the, the D, right? The diversity, the demographics. So, you know, what do we want the workforce to look like? Do we have hiring goals? Is there a demographic mix or makeup that we want our organization to look like? Do we want to reflect, look like the community that we're in or that we serve? Um, you know, kind of really identifying what are your workforce demographic goals? And yeah. then workplace is all inclusion. So that's just thinking about what do we want this place to be like for everyone to work? Like, what are our DEI values or what's our DEI mission or purpose and how can we uphold that? Um, and then third would be marketplace or community. And I say marketplace or community because it really depends on what your business is, right? Sure. So marketplace is kind of like customer base, right? So if you're like maybe a B2B, then you're thinking about, you know, how can you maybe engage diverse businesses? How can you um, include D&I into that your strategy in the marketplace or community, right? If you're just more externally facing, how can you engage a community? How can you support, you know, diverse communities? How can you make sure that your brand, your reputation, you're viewed as a great place to work amongst, you know, the community, Um, you know, and how do you add value to? So I would say start with just a basic found, you know, foundational training. And I think having a facilitated training is better than a computer-based Um, training, like there's a small um, company here, a a cannabis company here in the city where I live that has about like 20 or 30 employees. And I went into diversity training for them. Like we did it in small groups of like four because they're retail, right? So people have different hourly schedules every day. So I just went over the course of a couple of weeks, but everyone had the same training. It was one hour and we had a really great dialogue and conversation to get people thinking and going Um, because everyone's not always thinking about diversity inclusion. Sometimes they're just focused on their job. And how they can be the best at their job. And they don't realize that in doing that, they actually are. Like having a piece of DEI. It's just not um, showing up in the way that they think, which is race, gender, gender identity, you know what I mean? All of these other things. So I say starting with some form of training, facilitated training, which can be in person or on Zoom in our Mm -hmm. lovely virtual world that we live in now. And then next, thinking about how can you segment out where you want to make impact, workforce, workplace, marketplace, or community. Amazing. Those are such great foundations and and places to start. So I think two things kind of come up, and I don't know that these are questions, maybe comments that Mm -hmm. you might have thoughts on. I think a lot of times when, especially over the last couple years, I feel like diversity and inclusion kind of has two things. One, it can create a lot of um, reactions, right? Mm -hmm. I think people get very defensive. Yes, on, in a lot of different ways when they hear it and it almost like turn it off a little bit because yes. it brings up a level of uncomfortableness mm-hmm. that they are not, they, they either don't realize that they don't want to deal with, or they're just like, I don't, this makes me feel really uncomfortable. Um, so I guess I'll start with that comment. Like, is, do you see that a lot and how do you help teams or even a, a CEO and business leader work through that initial feeling when they're really, they know it's important, they care, but they're also like really uncomfortable by it? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, A few things come into my mind when I hear you saying that is that diversity and inclusion are so personal because it's who we are, right? Mm -hmm. We are part of that collective mixture. We have our own unique layers that make us who we are as a person. And so knowing that when we hear things or, you know, we're discussing things or we're reflecting, as I said, on ourselves and our attitudes and behaviors and how they may be impacting the workplace in a good or not so good way, that can make us feel, bring up some sort of emotions. 
Um, and especially when we think, or, and in addition, we also think about things that are just happening in our society. Exactly. Um, right. And some people feel kind of like fatigue or they're just tired with with all of the changes or the things that we're seeing. And social media gives us direct access to so many things, visuals, you know, audio articles, so many things that we would completely be unaware of that are happening on a, another part of the country, another part of the world. And now we see it. And so it's like we're living in this space, not only at work, but in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not easy and it shouldn't be expected for someone to completely cut that off when they walk through the door at work. Yeah. Yeah. And along with that, a lot of things in the diversity inclusion space are evolving and changing right in front of our eyes, especially in the LGBTQIA plus, um, you know, sector or, or um segment of diversity, right? Terminology, things are changing, people are unsure, um, you know, social norms are no longer the norms that they were. So it's like we're having a cultural shift that's really different, a new. And so it's like, how do people kind of adjust to that? I have a question actually Mm -hmm. around the social media piece and how it is. So things are just a lot more visible now, right? And and you're, you're seeing things a lot more. And I think there's a lot more pressure for business owners to have an opinion about mm-hmm. some things that they used to be able to say, we don't bring that into the workplace yes. now, right? Mm-hmm. And so when there is something that happens that is going viral, that the world is getting um, very involved in, do you have recommendations on how they bring it up to their teams mm-hmm. and have a conversation around what's going on in the world without it maybe feeling like they are imposing their views of it on their teams? Like how do they have those conversations with their teams? I think it needs to be like an open dialogue, Um, just open-ended questions with more of them listening, right? Which is something that we do in the HR space. Like when we think about Mm -hmm. employee relations or you're trying to find out, investigate a situation or whatever, you have to do a lot of listening and seek to understand conversations. Um, And so I think one thing that I don't think a company should react to every single thing that's happening, right? Like don't react to everything. Don't put out some company statement. Like if it relates to the business that you do, sure, right? Like if it's affecting your community, your clients, go ahead. Um, Or if your employees are really vocal about we need to take a stance on this, then you could consider that. But otherwise, I feel like if you react to every single thing, then it just kind of seems disingenuous, right? Like you're just kind of being reactive or you're just doing it because you're afraid of... I don't know, like you just don't want to be seen in a bad way. Um, And to me, then it doesn't have the same effect. So I feel just having open dialogue, having open conversations with your employees. So maybe that's bringing people together for like a town hall or just bringing people together, you know, having lunch, like let's talk, bring up conversations. Um, Or you could bring in me, right? Um, As your consultant. (laughs) I just was doing focus groups actually right now for a, um, one of my clients, I was doing focus groups with their employees of color because we're seeing that the experience, the employee experience that their employees of color are having are different than those that are white. And so, and we're, we're seeing, you know, some, some turnover in that space. And so um, I think focus groups are always a great way to bringing in someone that can be neutral. If the leader doesn't feel so comfortable or is worried about putting their foot in their mouth, which is completely can happen. Right. And they shouldn't Mm -hmm. feel so beat themselves up about it. It just happens. Um, Right. We're all learning. Um, So I think it's always good to, if you can bring in someone in a neutral role or just having open-ended conversations, I think just acknowledging that it's even happening. Yeah. Is good. So maybe that's at the start of a team meeting. Like if there's a team meeting, staff meeting, you know, like, hey, this is going on right now in the world. I just want to, you know, let you know I'm seeing it. 
And I want to know how you all feel if it's affecting anyone. Yeah. Just, it could just be an open-ended question like that. Just simple. Yeah, totally. And I think if you're creating a culture of vulnerability and honest conversations, it makes the diversity and inclusion conversations not as uncomfortable because you're already having conversations around how people feel, Mm -hmm. you know, they're bringing up when they don't feel good about something that's not related to that, that when it is those things, they then feel more confident and comfortable having a conversation around it. And you will too, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's when you don't have a culture of, of vulnerability and transparency and just being willing to make mistakes and know that everyone on your team can make mistakes and and that you have a culture of like assuming positive intent in everyone, that if you do say something that gets perceived in a way that you didn't mean to, or maybe you just didn't know when you said something Mm -hmm. that you now are like, you learn later that you wish you wouldn't have said that certain way. Mm -hmm. It then creates a space where your team assumes positive intent in you so that you can be like, Hey, I really messed up on that and I'm really mm-hmm. sorry. And I think that's so hard for leaders to do is to admit that they messed up or or yes. just that they don't know something. Exactly. And that's it. Saying that you're sorry, saying that you messed up, you know, that, that's exactly it. So, I mean, yes, a thousand percent to everything that you're saying. And one thing I did want to say when, we, when you were initially talking about how sometimes we can feel uncomfortable or sometimes people can be defensive, there's something called the diversity awareness profile which is this like quick quiz that you could take that can really kind of tell you where you fall on this diversity spectrum. Because mm. sometimes there's people that are like an avoider that just don't want to engage at all, don't want to say anything. There's people that sort of like ignite and instigate things. There's people that are just sort of in the middle and neutral. There's someone, people that are the change agent, which is where we want to be. But then there's also people that are fighters where you're like all the way extreme opposite from an avoider, right? Every single thing offends you, every single thing you have to talk about. And that's where I think sometimes people feel discomfort um, or or just really kind of are unsure what to do or say in that space. So I think it's really just thinking about also where do you fall yeah, and how can you be a change agent? Like that's the thing is you want to be a change agent. Like you don't want to be a fighter. And, I, and I've worked with fighters before where I'm like, look, you are not going, it's not working. The way that you're trying to deliver this message, like I know what you're trying to say, but your delivery is coming off fighter. It is not, people are going to turn their ears off to you. They're not going to listen to what you have to say. So you have to find a way to meet people in the middle. Share, like a fighter is just pushing their own personal agenda, right? And has like complete tunnel vision where they're not thinking about the broader organization, the larger company, Mm -hmm. all employees, or just the greater impact. Um, you know, and so it's like, how do you move from that to, yeah. you know, being more of a clean agent? That's, that's awesome. What it, what, can you repeat the name of that again? And we'll, we'll link it in the show notes, but just want to hear it again. Yeah. It's the diversity awareness profile. It's been around for a while, but is it still, I always worry about things that have been around for a while. Like how, how accurate are they? How, like, have they changed with the times? I guess I'm curious if you run across stuff like that. There are some things that we'll hear in the diversity space. I'll say sometimes like training or video examples like oh, yeah. look outdated, but it's still the same. Like right, but, but but the experience or what's happening, it's just like you kind of have to update it a little bit, right? Maybe yeah. with some new Gen Z type terminology or something. Totally. But otherwise, I feel like it's still kind of the same, right? The saying there's yeah. nothing new under the sun, which is really true. Totally, totally. That's amazing, um, and so true. I, like. I, <laughs> 
someday someone is really going to create amazing training videos that actually engage. I actually have a friend. Um, her name is Ashley Hurd. She just came out with, I'm giving her a free shout out. Look at that. <laughs> um, she just came out with a, a manager one on or a manager one one training. Mm-hmm. And she's like blown up on TikTok because she makes just really funny videos, but is re- that are really meaty. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we need to channel her a little bit more yes. in this world. <laughs> I'm going to look her up. You Ashley should. Hurd. She's amazing. Um, so you've, you've given listeners some really good practical advice in places to start any advice on where they somebody can go to find a practitioner, a teacher in their area? Like where's the best place to look? Yeah. I'll say that can be hard because I will be honest and say that after, you know, in our post George Floyd world that we're in country, I've seen a lot of DNI people pop up that, you know, or don't necessarily don't have as much experience. Um, but they're like, oh, I want to be in this space. I want to do this. Um, or, you know, maybe let me just say, be, 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 make sure that the person that you're reaching out to has experience. I say search on LinkedIn. A lot of people have found me on LinkedIn from across the country. Like Lisa yeah. will travel, <laughs> right? Like Lisa I've gone to Chicago, <laughs> I've gone to all these different places to, to do training. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? And especially with a virtual space, I don't think you need to just stick to someone in your community um, because there's so much great talent in the DEI SME space. I say, just make sure you get someone that has experience, in large or small companies um, and someone that you feel good with and someone that, you know, uh, is really explaining like a great plan, not just sort of like the high level buckets, but can really, is is true to this. Like this is, this is truly their passion and their space. Yeah. That's what I would say. I would say look in your community, see, you can always check with your chamber of commerce. Like I always think chamber of commerce is a great place. You can, you know, unfortunately there's not just like a database of DEI professionals around the country. That would be great if there were right. Like a, like a company or a a site that there's an idea. Like Exactly. (laughs) Let's work on that in the talent acquisition space. Like let's work on a, on a um, database that would like sort of, you know, vet people. And um, just make sure that they have the experience and that they'd be great and just kind of like match you. That would be awesome to have. How important is a customized plan for your business and your team versus a more general training? Do you have opinions on that? Yeah, I think to me, customization is everything in the diversity inclusion space. Like you'll have, you know, kind of like broad strategic ideas or or training topics, but I think everything needs to be customized because you're a unique or company with your own culture, with your own goals. And so I think everything needs to be customized. So that's one thing also, it's a good point. Like if they're only selling packaged things, like sort of be careful, you know, because it it needs to be tailored. You want to make sure people can get the most out of it, which is why a lot of times also sometimes people will do, you know, sort of these like focus groups or just, sort of meet and greets with employees to understand like what's the current state, like ways to capture the current state of an organization and just kind of move from there. Because you don't want to like get momentum going in the diversity inclusion space and then whatever consultant or whatever efforts don't really kind of meet the need. And then people are like, uh, have doubt, right? You don't want anyone to have doubt. Right. You don't want it to feel like it's just to like check a box on. Exactly whatever is, is trending. Yep. So take your time. And that's the biggest thing is for people like diversity inclusion. This is a journey like years, you know, even if you're thinking about in the demographic space, if you're trying to move the needle, that could take like a couple of years. If you've already hired and you're trying to diversify, like, you know, get more women, people of color, veterans, you know, individuals with disabilities, whatever that might be, it's going to take time. 
Mm-hmm. So don't like put so much pressure. That's the biggest thing is like, don't put all of these timeline pressures on yourself. Be realistic in setting your timelines and your goals because it, it definitely takes time because you want to do it right. Yeah, that's so true. It feels like the intention and the progress is more important than quickly hitting the the end goal, whether that's, you know, a a percentage on a report or exactly. whatever it is. Like that can't be the only the only thing. If you do have some low-hanging fruit or something somewhere that you can, you know, a quick action that can have a great impact, do it. But if not, you know, just kind of be more methodical and strategic and and be realistic with your timelines. But I think the most important thing to make sure that you're managing expectations along that way is to just have constant communication with the employee base and be transparent in what you're doing. I know we didn't really talk like diversity inclusion councils um, necessarily, but I think that you know, having some sort of employee led effort will help with that. Because if you are just, if you just have like one consultant or one person leading your diversity inclusion efforts or HR, whoever it is, like, that's just not enough because you need other people that can help like your program get arms and legs and to Mm -hmm. help expand its reach Um, Mm -hmm. or people that are, you know, people of influence within the organization, no matter how large or small your company is, there's always going to be one employee that everyone kind of looks to for, mm-hmm. for ideas, for validation, for input. And if you're able to get that person on board and they can just echo what you're saying and, and your efforts, that's going to make a huge impact. Yeah. So making sure you have employee-led efforts in that space is also important. Totally. I think I actually would argue that HR should not be the one leading these efforts. I agree. <laughs> um, so don't just because they they're just like any other leader on the team. They may not know and you just yeah. assume because they're in HR that they're the expert and I don't think that's a good move. Agreed. What if what if your team is only 5 people? How you know can you create a council or do you really like what do you recommend for that? Yeah, so if your team is 5 people, I would say that your focus would really be on inclusion. So it would really be on creating a culture where everyone feels, as I said, welcome, respected, supported, and valued to be their full self. So if you're only five people and you're not going to be hiring anyone else, that's why I feel like there's so much focus on diversity, on demographics. But I'm like, look, you may not be hiring again for five years. You're on a hiring freeze. So you just don't have the your employee, stru- your company structure is not going to meet that. Okay, shift focus. Let's focus on inclusion. Mm-hmm. What's it like to work here? Is this an engaging place? Are we supporting the employee needs? Uh, Do we have the policies in place that are supporting the employee experience, right? Inclusion also includes um, maternity leave, paternity leave, like um, bereavement, um, you know, mental health days. So there's so many other things that you can do to just create, like still have a focus on, on diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So like I said, if we're not hiring, we're just five people, we're going to do other things. So maybe you have community days or like volunteer days where everyone just kind of closes down and we find an organization in the community. That's maybe, you know, um, a black nonprofit that you want to go volunteer with or focus with, like find other ways to engage with these different communities, um, find other ways to create a great workplace for everyone. And just, and so I think if you have five employees, you would just have to ask people, like have these sort of conversations about what it is, what would make this a great place for them to work? Like, what do they want to see one year from now? What would be different? Like, what would help, what would make them feel that the company of five is dedicated to diversity and inclusion? What would commitment look like? What needs to be different one year from now? And really work towards that. Um, You are incredible. Like, I think anybody (laughs) listening to this, to this episode is going to be like, 
I need a Lisa. Where do I get a Lisa? How can <laughs> our listeners reach out to you to discuss their business and their goals and and work with you? Like where can yeah. we direct them? Because I think anyone listening to this is going to be like, sign me up. I need her in my life. <laughs> hey, I'm here. I love it. So I would say LinkedIn is the best place to meet with me. As I told you, I said, I'm working on building out my website, so I can't direct everyone to uh, you know HTTP uh, right now. But I would say finding me on LinkedIn and connecting with me on LinkedIn, which is Everything in my consulting space has just happened so quickly. And it's actually all been through LinkedIn. Like I said, Lisa will travel. People have found me (laughs) everywhere. That should be your website. Lisa will travel. travel. (laughs) I love that. I'll change change my name. Scrap the name that I had. I'm going to change it to lisawilltravel.com. You could could at least get lisawilltravel at (laughs) gmail.com. Right. Oh, my God. And especially because I'm Lisa with two L's. So I'm Mm -hmm. L-L-I-S-A, Lisa Prater. Um, I definitely could have both of those, the website and the Gmail. I'm I'm sure. I hope it's not taken double L Lisa. I bet you have your full name on Instagram. You don't need to add any dots or anything. You know what? I don't. I was late to getting on Instagram, I guess, because I'm a geriatric millennial, as they call it. Um, That One of my friends forced me to get on Instagram and someone had already taken double L Lisa. Really? Yeah. They probably just did it like to be silly. I'm thinking, you know, or... You oh, know what they, I mean? Adding they extra L's. be regular Lisa. So yeah, they so they're like add extra a double L. L. Yeah, but Amazing. I have the double L from birth, so I need that name. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I'm just like double L, spelled <laughs> all the way out. Uh. But LinkedIn right now is the best place to find okay. me. Um. And that because even when I have my website up, I'll have that listed in my LinkedIn profile. But LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. Um. And Amazing. I help in all things, all spaces, diversity and inclusion. It is truly my passion. People is my passion. Right. It's yeah. what I mean, I you can tell. You can totally tell. So we'll link in the show notes how to connect with you on LinkedIn. Once you get your up, website up and running, we're going to link that because okay. I think this is an episode people will come back and listen to multiple, I multiple so. times. And um, I think that you and I need to work on some other fun stuff together because the message you have and the passion you have, um, I think can, or I not even, I think I know will change businesses. And I have a passion that we need to, in order to create more fulfilling workplaces, you got to start with the small businesses because what is it? 70, 60% of Americans work for small businesses. So that's what if we, what if we helped all of them? Right. And so, um, I'm so grateful that our paths have, have connected and crossed and thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sure we will have many more conversations to have on air. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. you're not driving, stop and take a moment to share this episode with someone who you thought about while listening, share it with your team to show them you're committed to their growth, share it with a fellow business owner in your network who, you know, will be moved by the message. Heck share it with your mother, your brother, your sister, or your cousin, your support in growing the show means the world to me. 